Good morning gamers and welcome to the Polygonal Sunrise, your weekly video game news briefing every Monday morning. Today is Monday, February 25th, 2019. I'm your host, Jack Martin. Let's see what happened last week. Reggie fils retiring from Nintendo in April. This article was written by Colin Stevens of IGN.com on Thursday, February 21st. Nintendo of America's Reggie fils is retiring, with Doug Bowser set to replace him as president. Nintendo officially announced the transition this afternoon. After 15 years at Nintendo of America, almost 13 of which were as president and COO, fils will retire on April 15th. Nintendo of America's current SVP of sales and marketing, Doug Bowser, will then succeed Reggie as president. Quote, Nintendo owns a part of my heart forever, end quote, said Fizume. Quote, it's a part that is filled with gratitude for the incredibly talented people I've worked with, for the opportunity to represent such a wonderful brand, and most of all, to feel like a member of the world's most positive and enduring gamer community. As I look forward to departing in both good health and good humor, this is not game over for me, but instead leveling up to more time with my wife, family, and friends, end quote. Quote, it has been my great fortune to work with and be mentored by Reggie for four years at Nintendo of America, end quote, said Bowser. Quote, and rest assured, we will continue to build on his work to evolve and expand our brand, furthering Nintendo's global mission of creating smiles. There are millions more of those to come, end quote. Fizume has been in the public eye since Nintendo's E3 2004 press conference, where he went on stage saying, quote, my name is Reggie. I'm about kicking ass, I'm about taking names, and we're about making games, end quote. Following this, fils has been a public-facing figure for Nintendo, frequently appearing in press conferences, Nintendo Directs, and more. While at Nintendo of America, he expanded the company's presence in the United States, establishing a key sales and marketing office in Redwood City, California, and building a new Nintendo of America headquarters in Redmond, Washington. fils began his career at Nintendo of America in 2003 as Executive Vice President of Sales and Marketing, becoming its President and COO just three years later. In a message to fans posted on the Nintendo of America Twitter account, fils says, quote, I wanted to reach out directly to you, the Nintendo community, because there's one thing I really want to say. Thank you. Thank you for your never-ending support, and for your passionate love of Nintendo, and personally for giving me a Mushroom Kingdom full of incredible memories that I will never forget." End quote. Doug Bowser joined Nintendo of America in May 2015 as Vice President of Sales. He has since led the sales and marketing efforts for Nintendo Switch, which became 2018's best-selling console. Bowser was previously an executive at EA and worked at Procter & Gamble in various sales leadership roles. Quote, I really appreciate everything Reggie has done for Nintendo, end quote, said president of Nintendo Shintaro Furukawa. Quote, inside and outside our company, Reggie is known as an exceptional leader. We are grateful that he is leaving the business in good shape with strong momentum. While we will miss him and we wish him the very best in his retirement, we are also pleased to have such an able successor ready to step into that role. Doug Bowser and the rest of the team will ensure a seamless transition and continued momentum for Nintendo, end quote. Okay, here's my thoughts on Reggie leaving Nintendo. Reggie was such a good face for the company. He always sparked such a fun and happy attitude, which I think is a perfect fit for Nintendo. I only really started playing Nintendo games with the Switch, but his online presence, especially the memes, always made me smile. Perhaps my favorite memory of Reggie was seeing the big three, Reggie, Sean Layden, and Phil Spencer, together on stage at the Game Awards. Reggie was absolutely a titan in the games industry, and seeing him on stage with those guys was such a sight to behold. Recently, he helped set up a really interesting partnership with Xbox, and I'm excited to see that flourish into the next generation. Reggie, thanks a lot for all your hard work and good nature at Nintendo. It won't be forgotten.
On to the next story. Microsoft to reveal new Xbox hardware at E3 2019. This report comes from Rebecca Valentine of GamesIndustry.biz on Friday, February 22nd. With Sony staying out of E3 2019, Microsoft has a chance to command quite a bit of attention. And according to reports, they stand poised to do exactly that with the unveiling of not one, but two new consoles, at least one of which is in the codenamed Xbox Scarlet family of devices. The French website Ju Video reports that at Microsoft's E3 2019 press conference, the company will unveil consoles codenamed Lockhart and Anaconda. These devices have been reported on before. The first, Lockhart, is part of the Xbox Scarlet family of devices, and is a discless console that will be far cheaper than the regular Xbox One, possibly just around $200. The second, the Anaconda, is a slimmer, newer version of the Xbox One X. Both consoles are still reportedly planned for release in fall of 2020, despite their imminent unveiling. One source told Ju Video that Halo Infinite's launch will coincide with that of the Lockhart, though the game will also be available on Xbox One. Okay, here's my thoughts on Xbox announcing next-generation hardware at E3. Microsoft is in a really good position here for the next generation of Xbox. Sony isn't at E3 this year, so the Xbox brand is going to have the first strike at announcing next-gen hardware. The Xbox One was announced after the PS4, and their reveal of the console, of course, spelled disaster for Xbox in May of 2013 with the embarrassing Xbox One conference. I don't think that'll happen this go-around. As I've been saying on the show, Xbox marketing is absolutely on point right now. Xbox is a champion of crossplay, is absolutely user-friendly with Game Pass and the amazing library of backwards-compatible games, and it has a really unique relationship with Nintendo that I can't wait to see more of. With not being at E3, Sony is clearly at the disadvantage here, so it looks like Xbox is going to have a head start on the next generation. I, for one, can't wait to see it. And on to the next story, PS Vita to end production soon, in Japan at least. This article was written by Oscar Deus of GameSpot on Tuesday, February 19th. Sony will soon cease production of the PlayStation Vita in Japan. The company revealed the news on the PlayStation Japan website, where it was confirmed both remaining models of the handheld will be discontinued soon. While Sony has not confirmed what this means for the handheld in the West, the writing has been on the wall for a while. In May of 2018, physical PS Vita games were discontinued in the US and Europe, while incoming PlayStation boss Jim Ryan said in June 2017, where he was the head of PlayStation in Europe, that the Vita was, quote, not an active line, end quote, outside of Japan. The Vita launched in Japan in late 2011, before being released elsewhere in early 2012. A smaller, lighter model was released in 2013 in Japan, and the following year in other parts of the world. The handheld was a critical success, as reviewers and consumers praised its hardware in many of its games. However, it struggled commercially, and Sony admitted as early as March 2016 that its focus had shifted elsewhere. Alright, here's my take on the Vita discontinuation. It's absolutely sad, but it's about time. The Vita's been out for about 7 years now, so it's enjoyed a long life for a handheld. PlayStation support for the Vita has been pretty poor for a while now, so it doesn't really come as a surprise. I never picked up a Vita, but the library always intrigued me. For example, I'd love to play Uncharted Golden Abyss. Former Podcast Beyond hosts Greg Miller and Colin Moriarty were perhaps the biggest champions of the Vita in the world, and I'm glad that they helped push a lot of Vita's sales. I'd say now is definitely the best time to pick up the Vita. You can get a used one for about $130, and if you've been downloading the free Vita games for a while, you already have a great library of games waiting for you. Okay, here's the last story. Microsoft and Paradox Interactive bring open modding platform to Xbox One. This article was written by Kevin Nezevic of GameSpot on Friday, February 22nd. Paradox Interactive, publisher of Cities, Skylines, and Pillars of Eternity, 
has announced it is partnering with Microsoft to bring its open modding platform, Paradox Mods, to Xbox One. Beginning February 20th, players will be able to download and play mods for select Paradox titles on Microsoft's console. Through this partnership, mod creators can now easily distribute their mods across PC and Xbox One, quote, with a single upload, end quote, using either GOG or the Paradox Launcher. Quote, modding has been, and remains, an important part of the Paradox community, end quote, said Paradox Mods product owner Andres Torland. Quote, as we have diversified the way we distribute our games, we want to make sure all our players can take part in the creation process, end quote. The first game to receive mod support is Surviving Mars, a 2018 simulator that tasks players with building and sustaining a colony on the Red Planet. More than 30 mods are now available for the title. These can be accessed by logging into your Paradox account on the game's title screen, then selecting the Mod Manager option at the bottom of the screen. Additionally, the Xbox One version of the game has been updated to allow mouse and keyboard support. While Surviving Mars is currently the only Xbox One title to take advantage of this new feature, Paradox said that mod support for other titles, quote, is planned to come later this year, end quote. You can take a look at some of the mods that are available through the platform on Paradox's website. Okay, here's my thoughts on some more mods coming to Xbox. Again, this is more good press for Xbox. They are continuing to be more gamer-friendly as the years go on. Mods are huge in the PC realm, but they really haven't made massive strides in the console realm. And I don't think they really will, since console gamers aren't really used to mods to begin with. But it's definitely a cool addition to console gaming, and Xbox is clearly looking to make good use of it. Okay, that's it for news. Let's dive into the biggest recent release, Anthem. The highly anticipated new Bioware game, Anthem, came out on Friday, and it hasn't been received as well as Bioware has hoped. It's currently sitting at a 60 on Metacritic. On the lower review side, US Gamer gave the game a 50, saying, quote, Anthem is a frustrating experience. There's a core gameplay idea that's fun, but it's not enough to keep the experience alive in Endgame and beyond. It wants to sell us on flying and combat, but Grandmaster levels stop that dead. It offers a wide world to explore but offers no reason to do so. Anthem ultimately doesn't feel like the best Bioware can do, and that's a horrible shame, end quote. On the higher end of things, Twinfinite gave Anthem a 70, saying, quote, The controls of Anthem are intuitive and engaging. Flying through the world of Bastion is a sight to behold, and coordinating with your team on higher difficulties like Grandmaster is rewarding. Despite some questionable design choices and shortcomings, Anthem has a strong foundation that has potential to be a genre leader, but isn't quite there just yet, end quote. Here's my take on Anthem. This just is not a game for me. Multiplayer co-op games like this have really never appealed to me. When I picked up Destiny in 2014, I was really burned by its lack of story and totally rewardless gameplay loop. From what I've read, it seems that Anthem suffers from the same feeling of rewardlessness that I found with Destiny. All of your hard work, from what I've heard, doesn't really result in a worthwhile reward. And that's a total bummer. It seems like the game doesn't really get good until the end game. For me personally, I don't want to spend 15 plus hours to get to a part in the game where it starts feeling good. That point in a game, for me, should be under an hour or two. Still, the combat and mobility, especially the Iron Man-like flying, looks fascinating and I'd love to try it, but Anthem really isn't a game I'd spend full price on. Alright, before we end the show, let's take a trip back in time and see what happened this week in gaming history. This is for the week of February 26th to March 3rd. February 26th. On February 26, 1998, Sony releases PlayStation memory cards in black, candy orange, cherry red, crystal, emerald, gray, 
Island Blue, and Lemon Yellow. On February 26, 2002, Sony announces it is releasing a new line of discounted greatest hits titles for the PlayStation 2 for $25 each. Titles are eligible when they have been out for 8 months and have sold over 400,000 copies. First releases will be on April 1st. And on January 26, 2008, Square Enix releases Dragon Quest Swords, The Masked Queen, and The Tower of the Mirrors for the Nintendo Wii in the US. February 27th. On February 27, 1996, Nintendo releases Pocket Monsters Green version and Pocket Monsters Red version for Super Game Boy in Japan. On February 27, 2006, Nintendo releases Super Princess Peach for the Nintendo DS in the US. And on February 27, 2009, Sony Computer Entertainment releases Killzone 2 for the PlayStation 3 in the US. February 28. On February 28, 1999, Acclaim Entertainment releases Mortal Kombat 4 for the PlayStation in the US. On February 28, 2005, Legislators in Illinois introduce a bill to ban sales of violent and sexually explicit games to anyone under the age of 18. On February 28, 2006, EA releases Black for the PlayStation 2 and Xbox in the US. And again on February 28, 2006, EA Sports Big releases FIFA Street 2 for the PlayStation 2, GameCube, and Xbox in the US. March 1st. On March 1st, 1997, Sony announces price cuts on the PlayStation by 25 to 35% in Australia, Great Britain, France, and Germany. On March 1st, 2005, LucasArts releases Star Wars Republic Commando for the Xbox in the US. On March 1st, 2012, Hudson Company of Japan ceases to exist, as Hudson Company is folded into parent Konami. March 2nd. On March 2nd, 2004, Take-Two releases Mafia for the PlayStation 2 and Xbox in the US. On March 2nd, 2006, Microsoft launches the Xbox 360 in Hong Kong, Singapore, and Taiwan. On March 2, 2010, EA releases Battlefield Bad Company 2, my favorite FPS, for the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 in the US. And finally, March 3rd. On March 3rd, 1971, Magnavox signs an exclusive licensing agreement with Sanders Associates for the television video game technology. On March 3, 2005, in Arkansas, Senator Sean Womack introduces a bill that would require shops that rent or sell M-rated games to display them at a height of at least 5 feet from the floor. And on March 3, 2009, Microsoft Game Studios releases Halo Wars for the Xbox 360 in the US. And that's it for the Polygonal Sunrise. You can join us every Monday morning for your weekly gaming news briefing. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at FascinatedJack. And you can follow the show on Twitter at PolygonalPod. If you have any questions or would like to contribute to the show, email me at polygonalsunrise at gmail.com. You can subscribe to the show in its own feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Podbean. You can also find the show under the Amherst Wire feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or amherstwire.com. Have a great week, everyone. The Polygonal Sunrise is a production of the Amherst Wire. Visit amherstwire.com or find them on social media at Amherst Wire. This episode was recorded, edited, and produced by me. The entertainment slash podcast editor for the Amherst Wire is Jonathan Kerma. You can follow him on Twitter at jkerma98. My supervisor for the show is BJ Roach. You can follow her on Twitter at BJ underscore Roach. And finally, the music for today's episode is provided by Damon Hatfield. You can support him at damonhatfield.bandcamp.com or find him on iTunes and Spotify.